Welcome to the Art of Faith podcast. I am Joshua Kapczynski, and this is a production of Granite Creek Studios, which also hosts a new podcast called You've Got to See This Movie. I've got some other bright ideas coming down the pike for some other shows and some other topics. But today, in the Art of Faith, we are wrapping up my 12-episode uh, series on who is Jordan Peterson. And based off of his best-selling book, The 12 Rules for Life. And so each podcast, we've done one of the rules. And this is number 12. And I've really enjoyed going through this. It's been, it's been a challenge for me to revisit the book and to try and figure out what Jordan Peterson is saying. So it's been personally um, just in trying to give like a book report or a chapter report. It's been encouraging to me, and it, I feel like I've grown uh, during this season. So thank you all for going on my little uh, trip with me, my little uh, discipleship trip. And let's talk about today's topic, rule number 12. It is... Pet a cat when you see one on the street. It goes into this interesting little bit about dogs and cats. So he says, like, when you're walking down the street and you see a cat, um, pet the cat. Now, then he goes talks about how awesome dogs are. And then he makes apologies for uh, cat people. So he gets into this discussion about dog people and cat people and and um, how... You know, how we need to respect each other's views, whether you're a dog person or a cat person. And I really kind of, I uh, I can identify with this argument because I have been a dog person my entire life. I've, I've got two dogs right now, and uh, I absolutely love them. I've loved all my dogs, except for that golden retriever. His name was Bo, and he was, he was dumb. And, like, dumb is a... All right, I got to tell you my dog story. So growing up, my first dog I had was a Belgian Tuviran, uh, maybe mixed with a Husky or a German Shepherd. So think of a like a cool-looking, hairy German Shepherd. This dog was such a badass. He was amazing. I remember getting him as a puppy, and he just bonded to me. And we lived out in the sticks in Rancho Cucamonga at the time. Rancho Cucamonga uh, was not the place that it is right now. It, it When I was growing up, it became the fastest growing area in the nation at one time. So my childhood, you know, I had fields and canyons and gullies to play in. And I had a pony and I had this dog called Goliath. And he was a killer. I mean, this dog killed everything. He killed squirrels, rabbits, birds. He killed cats lots of cats uh he even he even killed a dog this this thing was just out of control just a wild animal and he was extremely bonded to the family and so i kind of put this dog on this pedestal because you know he protected us uh, there was one time we were out in the fields and um i got attacked by uh, two or three dogs and I was kind of stuck in a little gully and my dog jumped from the top of the gully on top of these dogs and just tore them up and so anyway I just an awesome dog um, motorcycle guys would 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 fly back past our house on the way up into the mountains and he Goliath loved to chase 
the motorcycle guys and he pulled a couple of them off of their bikes. Again, just a badass dog. So when he died, I mean, I was absolutely just devastated. I was so, I was so sad because this dog was this, he was like my best friend. And when the time was right, my parents got me a new dog and they got um, this golden retriever and his name was Bo. And, you know, golden retriever, sweet puppy eyes. Uh, but he just didn't seem like he was all together there. He just seemed a little bit slow. And I remember one time, <laughs> he kept on running away and he wouldn't come to his name. And then, you know, I would, you know, spend an hour looking for this dumb dog. And, and one time he was in the backyard and I had my friends hanging out and he was chasing his tail in the backyard. So I was kind of embarrassed because the dog's acting like an idiot. And then he's running around the backyard in circles and he stepped, he literally steps on a rabbit and got scared and cried and ran away. And then my dog, my, my friends were laughing at me and I was so embarrassed because my, my dog was a sissy and I went from having this, you know, superhero of a dog to the sissy. One day, uh, Bo ran away again. And this time I didn't go looking for him. <laughs> so anyway, that was the only dog that I didn't like. And again, Goliath, the cat killer was awesome. Um, so my dog guy and I, I not only do I like my dogs, generally I like other people's dogs too, maybe with the exception of chihuahuas and, you know, little yippy dogs. The irony is that we just adopted a poodle in December and we love this dog. The dog is so cool. And it's like a it's like a big dog that's stuck in a little dog's body. And he keeps up with currently I have a I have a Belgian Malinois, which is the short haired version of the dog that I had when I was growing up. And She's she's a machine. She's not a killer, thank God, because there's no way that we could keep um, Goliath in modern society. But Cora is not a killer, but she's got equal energy and strength, and she's just a fun dog to to be around. And what we've what we noticed as dog people is that we can have a crappy day, and um, you know life can be falling apart, and we go home and. These dogs just are so excited to see us. They just love us unconditionally. I mean, you can mistreat them. You can call them bad names. Uh, you can be sad around them, and they just don't care. And so one of the benefits of our life, my family life, is that we have dogs that that bring us up. They, they encourage us. It's so, so silly to say, but our dogs make us happy. And, and what Peterson is saying is like, when you get the opportunity and you see a cat on the street, uh, go, go pet the cat. So in, in, enjoy that moment with this, with this feline. And so he, he makes the, the point that he's not against or for cats. Like you can get the same type of pleasure that, from a cat that you can a dog. Although he does make some snarky remarks about cats because he's clearly a dog person. But it's like almost like he's got to placate to cat people. Um, but he does do something very sweet, and he highlights this very special relationship that 
uh, his cat, a cat in the neighborhood and his dog have like they, they've bonded together. And so he's converted to be a cat person. And I have too. So not only do I have two dogs, I also have three cats. I have two stupid, annoying cats that we lock up in the garage because we don't love them. We do. We, okay. I don't love them. Um, Mako and Sophia pretend like they love them, but this is nobody really likes these cats. They're not, they're not nice and um, they're not social. So, you know, they're just kind of dragging along, but we have this other cat and it's a tuxedo cat. So he's black and white. He's super cool. He hangs out with us. He sleeps with us in, in the bed. We think that he identifies as a dog and not a cat because he doesn't like those other two cats in the garage either. He, he thinks they're a bunch of jerks too. So he's just the coolest cat. And so, uh, although he is a cat and if he doesn't want to be pet, he's just going to, he's going to run off. He just, you know, he's, he's got his own mind. He's independent. He's not, uh, emotionally bonded to us. Um, but he's, he's really cool. And so that Bruce brings us an equal amount of pleasure. And so ultimately, uh, Peterson's point in this rule is, you know, uh, when you see a cat on the street, you know, stop and pet it. Basically what he's saying is that, uh, in this life, you're, you're going to go through suffering. Suffering is an inevitable. And that's one of the major themes of this book. And so what he's saying is stop and smell the roses. And he says, stop and pet the cat. But in essence, in essence, what he's saying is stop and smell the roses. And this is, it's a powerful message. It's a biblical message. It is a, it's a mindset that we as believers um, actually are commanded to adopt. And and Peterson doesn't say it, but the Bible does. The Bible says that, you know, we have to consider it all joy, no matter what the circumstances. I'll, I'll read it to you. That's from James. Um, let's see, was it James 3? Let me think here. Uh, da, 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 oh, James 1, uh, verses 2 and 4. Consider it pure joy. All right. My brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And so he's saying, so... James, uh, the brother of Jesus, is saying, consider it pure joy, like find happiness uh, whenever you face many kinds of trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. And, you know, when, when I preach this verse or verses like it, you know, consider it all joy. Um, you know, be happy, you know, no matter what you're going through, be happy. And whenever you, you, you preach these things that a lot of times you can see it, you can see it in the, from the pulpit into the audience. It just almost falls upon deaf ears. And I know what people are thinking whenever I say, uh, consider it all joy or, um, you know, Romans eight is a is another one. I consider that our our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will uh, be revealed in us. Or our Philippians um, four or five, uh, the Lord is near, so do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, in every situation, by with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
So in each and every situation, there's got to be this positive mindset. And again, people check out whenever you read these verses because in their mind, they're thinking um, what our natural man thinks. And that is, you don't know what I'm going through. And so, yeah, I mean, that is true. I don't know what people are going through. And after 22 years of ministry and then actually growing up in ministry, um, when you're in ministry, you're required to pastor people, to walk with people through through the good times and the bad times. Uh, I perform weddings, but I also perform a lot of funerals. And, you know, there's, a, there's you know, graduation celebrations are coming up. So we're going to be celebrating with families of kids that have graduated. Uh, but then there's, you know, there's also sickness and there's also a hardship. Um, there's times when people are, are blessed. Um, there's times when people are going through some financial difficulties. And so I get it when, you know, somebody's saying, hey, just change your attitude. Be happy. And it's like the hardest thing in the world. Now, Jordison gives a very powerful and relatable illustration in illustrating this um this command to stop and smell the roses because one of the hardest things that that we can deal with in the area of suffering is when our own children are suffering and i can i can relate my my child um has suffered and is dealing with medical stuff right now and like i wish it was me i wish i could be the one that was suffering but but uh it's her and so Peterson's dealt with this with his own daughter who had uh, autoimmune disease and degen- degenerative, you know, bone and uh, arthritis that was just a, a, like literally attacked her body. And the amount of pain that that Peterson's daughter had to go through, it's just almost unbearable and unfair uh, for a young person. And so he's struggling with this, you know, with this suffering that is not necessarily directed to him, but it's, it's this placed upon his child. And yeah, he says that's the hardest thing that, that anybody could deal with would be the suffering of their own offspring. And I just, I just got to agree with it. When my, when my daughter was in a wheelchair, like it sucked. And then, you know, she just would deal with pain that, that in the drugs don't make it go away and just, Trying to wrap your head around that, trying to to be positive, trying to to pet the cat or smell the roses when somebody is hurting to a, a, a point and there's nothing that you can do to remedy the pain, like that sucks. And then you know you got some preacher saying, "Hey, consider it pure joy. Don't worry, be happy. Uh, let's just put on some Pollyanna glasses, and you know the power of positive thought will will push you through." And I know. the the issue isn't that the power of positive thought makes things go away or that you know if your faith Peterson doesn't go after this but I will um if your faith is strong then you won't suffer you know if you're you know you know if only if only you serve God a little bit better then you wouldn't be broke right now or you know if only you if only you tithed more, then then you wouldn't be in the hospital. If only you know you served in Sunday school, then 
you know, that relationship wouldn't have fallen apart. And so we play these things. We play these games with ourselves in our head. We play these games with God. And uh, it's a dangerous game to play. And so, uh, meaning that uh, if you play that game, like, well, this happened to me because of what God did is, is, you know, one of the excuses. Or this happened to me because I wasn't faithful. Uh, you start thinking along those terms, and then uh, uh, you will you'll you'll find yourself spinning out of control. And a either you blame God for all of your pain and suffering, and then you turn God into a monster, or or b um, you get this "woe is me" attitude. Like if anything in the universe is going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong in my life. And you see this quite often with a lot of people that kind of have like the spirit of Eeyore. They're like, they're super negative. And, and you know, uh, they get a flat tire on the way to work. Oh, I just, you know, makes sense. It's just my life. Uh, or something, you know, bad comes their way. And it's like, well, I just kind of expected that. And like, that's a depressing state to live in. And, and Peterson addresses it, doesn't say it in the chapter. But what we're actually dealing with um, is a theological term called the problem of pain. And C.S. Lewis works this out. Um, I think even the book is called The Problem of Pain. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but C.S. Lewis worked out the problem of pain or the problem of evil. And it's just, it's not only a theological issue, it's a philosophical issue. It is a human condition that, you know, and of course, I'll, I'll give you some scripture. Um uh, da, 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 da. This is in uh, John sixteen thirty three. Even Jesus addresses the problem of pain. He says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. Okay, So Jesus is giving the gospel message. He is giving, actually specifically, he's giving the message of the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom of God is heaven on earth. When when heaven meets earth, when there's that joining together of the natural world and the spiritual world, and what what and how God has created us to be as both physical beings and spiritual beings. So that's Jesus's message: is the kingdom of of God, the kingdom of heaven here and now. And so He's telling us these things. He's encouraging us with the kingdom of God, so that we can have peace. And so. Although God's intention isn't for us to always be in a constant state of happiness, he does want us to be in a constant state of peace and joy. There's a difference between joy and happiness. So uh, he's telling us, he's instructing us so that we can have peace. And he goes on to say, in this world, you will have trouble. Okay, that is something that prosperity uh, preachers don't tell you. They, they, And I, I guess you could say... I. I I think that the concept of prosperity gospel is actually a good concept. It just gets warped and manipulated into something that's not true in that, you know, God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And so, I mean, I mean, yeah, God wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to live life and live it to the fullest. He just doesn't think that you need a Learjet to do so. And so, um, yeah, God is concerned about our well-being and our health and our prosperity prosperity of soul in particularly not our financial bank statement prosperity but but the prosperity of the soul maybe i can talk more about that so 
He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. So in other words, in other translations, in this world, Jesus says, you're going to suffer. I mean, I thought he's supposed to encourage us, right? I thought, I thought Jesus is supposed to encourage us. And now he's saying, in this world, you're going to suffer. And, and you're going to like it. I don't, he doesn't say that. But you're going to suffer. And so I think what I love about the teachings of Jesus is that he's honest with us. You know, he's, he's, he's telling us not what we want to hear, but he's telling us what we need to hear. All right? So then he caps it off here. But take heart. In this world, you're going to suffer, but take heart. And then this would be, you know, this take heart thing. This is a don't give up. This is the stop and smell the roses. This is stop and pet the cat. Stop and pet the dog. Take heart. All right? I have overcome the world, Jesus says. Uh, Of course, Jordan Peterson doesn't cap it off with uh, Jesus overcoming the world. He doesn't even quote the scripture. But that's that's the hope. Now, if there is no... If there is no hope or if there is no clinging to this scripture here or any of these scriptures that I've read, First uh, Peter 5, uh, you will have suffered a little while. You're going to suffer a little while, but the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So these are promises that, get, that, that, that we have in him and in, in, in the word of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, therefore, do not lose heart. So here Paul is echoing Jesus. Jesus says, take heart. In this world you're going to suffer, take heart. Paul, Paul echoes, therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. So Paul's saying what Jesus said, take heart. Um, outwardly we're wasting away. Life is hard. You're going to suffer, right? Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Now that one's a tricky one. Like that one, that that we need to meditate on. Because, you know, at some point you your body quits growing. And at the point where <laughs> this is so depressing, I'm gonna depress all of you. At the point where you quit growing, you begin to start dying. And so, you know, I guess. When I turned uh, 28, uh, when my brain finally got fully developed, it took that long, I guess. Uh, when I'm fully physically developed, then I start to die. And that, that's true for you, too. Don't you feel glad that you tuned into this podcast? Um, so outwardly, we're wasting away. But inwardly, we need to continue to grow. We need to continue to be strengthened and, and step into maturity. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. So I want to ask you that question. What are you doing in your spiritual life that you are being renewed day by day? For our light and momentary troubles. So that ought to be, that ought to be encouraging right there. In, in light uh, or in comparison or up against eternity or what God has done for us in that we get to spend eternity with him, whatever, whatever heaven looks like. Um, everything that is dragging us down, making us depressed, physically hurting us or hurting those that, that we love, these are light and momentary 
disturbances. And again, those that are dealing with death, those that are on their deathbed or, you know, they're in a dark place, like it doesn't really seem productive to say, oh, this is just a light and momentary trouble. No, you know, we, when, you're, when your world's falling apart, your world's falling apart. Uh, but in perspective, you get a little perspective. You're like, okay, this too shall pass. Uh, this is, you know, in, in light of God's grace, this is a momentary trouble. And are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I love that. An eternal glory that far outweighs any trouble. So it's not a balance. Uh, God's goodness, God's love, God's glory far outweighs anything that you're dealing with right now. And I know for some of you, it might seem like the end of the world, but it's a momentary trouble, and this will pass. So, Paul goes on to say, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is but what is unseen and since we have seen excuse me since what we see is temporary but what is unseen is eternal all right so this is the big this is the big uh, spiritual growth hack is like what are you seeing what is what is truly reality and uh, most of us are very uh tactile, tangible people. Uh, we are like the show me state. I forgot which one's the show me state, but we need to see it. We need to feel it. Things that are in the spirit realm are unseen, and they're, but they're more true than, than the cherry that you're sitting on. They're, um, your, your spiritual person is, is more of who you are than your physical body is. And it takes time to see that. It takes time to see your spiritual person, your spiritual man, spiritual woman, however you want to define it. It takes time to to go deep and to examine your own heart. And when I say examine your heart, I'm not saying that you, you know, you you do an emotional inventory about all your, you know, your emotional hangups and things like that and you, you know, you take a Myers-Briggs personality test. Now, there's there's more to you than your emotions and more there's more to you than your personality test. There's a divine little spark deep down inside of you somewhere, and that is what we call your heart. That is the image of God that is buried inside of you. And getting a vision of that, well, that, well, that will change your life. And that takes time. But that also gives you perspective and that... All right, pain and suffering are part of the human condition, but God has created me for something more than just that. So the problem of pain and the problem of evil is something that is is a human condition, and if you have friends that are not believers, they struggle with this concept just as much as the believer does, uh, in that why would a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? So Christians say that, you know, Pastor Josh, I've been so good lately. How come I ended up with cancer? Like that one, like I've, I've had those, those questions that I've tried to had to field. And so, and they're honest questions. I'm not saying that you don't ask them, but 
You do need to wrestle with that. And so this is that concept of why do bad things happen to good people? And the atheists, they ask the same question. And so they say, why would a good God allow all these things to happen? And therefore, God is there is no good God that doesn't exist. For the sake of, of time, and I'm probably not equipped enough to frame it out in a way that a philosopher or a theologian could. But the the tricky part to the problem of pain and the problem of evil, the, the answer to why that is, is a very simple, it's a very simple concept called the the freedom of will, free choice. And there's a lot of Christians that are divided on this concept of free will and free choice. So you have the the Calvinist camp. Calvinists um, have a very high view of God. They have a very high view of Scripture. Their buzzwords are the the authority of God or the the autonomy of God, um, the sovereignty of God. So these are this is the language that that a good Calvinist would use. That God is sovereign. That He's in control, which is true. God is sovereign. He is in control, and He has predetermined everything and so um, everything is for the glory of God and so there's uh, in the site in, in the in the bracket of Calvinism um, that well there is no choice so that God ordains and, and preordains everything including those who go to heaven and those that go to hell and so there's scriptural support for this I don't have time to get into that um, but the concept that God knows the future and he has ordained the future, that he is in control. Like that's, a, that's actually a sentiment that I agree with. Um, but taken to a point where you actually don't have a choice in the matter. You've already been, God has wired you and he's programmed you. Like he, like God is just the big uh, computer nerd in the sky that, that, that programs everybody to run their, to run their programs. And that's a, well, in my opinion, that's a depressing state to be. And you know, you run that to its to its to its extreme. You run it to the the extreme um and the person that says, "Well, if um you know, if God's a good God, then why does he allow bad things to happen to good people?" The Calvinists will say, "Well, that's just God's will. That's just God's sovereignty of will." And so the problem is that that makes God the bad guy. It makes him a sadistic, evil person that likes to torture his creation. You know, kind of like the, maybe not the, the computer nerd up in the sky programming everything, but more like the, you know, the bully that has the magnifying glass that likes to burn ants. Because that's the kind of God that, you know, ultimately you'd have to believe in that would, you know, create a creation destined to suffer in hell. Like that's like, that's not a very nice thought to think about. Um, and I'm sure that if the unfortunate thing about Calvinists is that they're all very smart and they could probably reason, um, reason me out of that argument, but that's, that's, a, that's a very fair argument to make. The other side of the, 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 the theological spectrum is that, yeah, God is sovereign, that he, he is the creator 
um, and that we are created in his image as free moral agents. And this is the one that answers that question as to why bad things happen to good people, why there is pain and suffering in this world. And that is because God has created mankind to be free, to make decisions, to choose either light or dark. And because of man's autonomy to make decisions and their free will, um, therefore, there is the results and that there is the consequences that everybody has to pay for, for man's decision to not follow God. So it's not fair, right? So it, it's, it's not fair that, you know, Adam and Eve ate the fruit. It caused disease to enter into God's creation. And because that disease is entered into God's creation, because Adam and Eve's, you know, one decision to, to, to be disobedient, because of that, we now have cancer that, that, that kills young children, right? So um, that is a decision that somebody made in the past that it affected somebody in the future. And so that has to be the reason why bad things is a, are allowed to happen to good people is because God will not violate your free will. Okay, just just hang with me for a second because um, God's kind of a wild card in this whole thing because at times um, God does and will uh, come into your life and, yeah, he just might violate your free will to save you. For example, um, you know, if my kid, uh, six years old, and she's riding around... Um, in the driveway in her bike, and then she rolls out into the street. Like I'm gonna violate her free will, and I'm gonna grab her and and snatch her from the street so she doesn't get run over by a car, right? I'm gonna violate my child's free will to save her. God's the same way. So if you're doing something really stupid, and um, you know, you maybe you've dedicated your life, you might have an intervention. You know, God might come in. We might send an angel, and He might spare you from a dumb decision, right? So I do believe in that because I've experienced that. And maybe you have too. Now, same illustration. Uh, my daughter is now 16 and she's getting there, but she's learning not to play in the street anymore. And so, and there will be, there will come a time when I'm going to completely release her into adulthood. And um, I'm not going to be able to, or even have the power to violate her free will if she continues to play in the street. At some point in our spiritual life, and our spiritual development, we need to grow into maturity where we have the spiritual common sense to quit playing in the street. Because God values and treasures our free will. Our free will to make decisions and our free will to create things that don't exist because we are made in God's image, the Imago Dei. Uh, one of the other tenets of Calvinism is um, um, just depravity. It's um, that man is is desperately depraved, and that you know he's completely fallen and broken, which is his true statement. Because of the fall, we have original sin, and that's why we you know that's why we're tempted to make bad decisions. So mankind uh, is 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 desperately depraved without God. True statement. Uh, but before we were depraved. 
we were created in the image of God, in the likeness of God, and our God is a creator God. And so we get to create with our life. And so the big question is, what are you creating? Are you creating something good with your life or are you creating something bad with your life? Like you can create a masterpiece or you can create a dumpster fire. You're still in the creation process. You're still in the creation mode. And so Peterson, um, in his way, he doesn't actually he doesn't answer the, the problem of evil. He doesn't really, he really doesn't talk about free will and free choice. He basically just talks about um, how do you persevere and, and that you should persevere. Because if you're not persevering through suffering, if you're not trying to find a, a little bit of light in the midst of darkness, if you're, if you're not able to do that, well, then you're going to despise your own existence. And a lot of people live in this tension. A lot of people despise their own existence. And then, of course, that gets manifested in, in suicide, that gets manifested in uh, uh, narcissistic or um, destructive behavior, where they not only are they going to burn their life down, they're going to burn everybody else's life down too. I mean, we see that get expressed in, in mass shootings, like you name it. Like these people have... The, the people that are so destructive, not only to themselves, but choose to be destructive to other people, um, they have adopted um, this idea that life is disdainable and that there's nothing good to be found in life. And so Peterson will say what the Bible says, if you can't find something good in the midst of darkness, then, then, then you're going to lose. And so... I'll just go. I'll, I'll wrap it up with. I'll wrap it up there. Again, you don't want to. You don't want to hear Pollyanna preacher words that say, "Don't worry, be happy." Right? I mean, you've heard that song, and that that this is not. Maybe that won't. That won't do it for you. But I will say that it is biblical. To it's a biblical mandate to fight against that urge to fall into ultimate despair. Your car is broken down. Uh, your dog died. Your wife left you. You don't have enough money to afford alcohol. I mean, it's beginning to sound like a country western song, right? It's like you know, if that's your life, um, like, and if you're, you, you know, you feel like you have a romantic relationship with Murphy's Law, um, try to find a a sliver of hope, a sliver of encouragement. If that takes, you know, petting a cat that that rubs up against your leg, then that's what it, that's that's something, right? Just take that time to pet the cat. You're like, well, if I do, then that cat's probably going to scratch me. And like, see, that's what you don't need. You can't think that way. Well, if I bite that, if I if I if I go pet that dog, it's going to bite me. You can't think that way. You've got you got to think. Okay, I, I got a moment. I got I got a, I got a breather here. I'm going to pet this cat. I'm going to like it. Oh, I, I got a. I got a moment here. I'm going to, I'm going to stop and smell this rose. You can't say, well, there must be some poison ivy in that, in that, in that bush there. You can't think that way. You've got to think that, okay, that, that, that maybe God has given me a little slice of heaven right now in the midst of hell. And he does that. I can't explain it. Uh, I've done funerals for uh, people that 
that had no hope and their families had no hope. They're like depressing little funerals. Like they're, they're awful. And then I've done memorial services and funerals for people that have hope. They're like, yeah, that that was rough. But despite all of it, despite my tears and my, my heartbreak, I have joy and I have peace. And see that that's the Christian life is that, you know, you know, yeah, God wants you to be happy. We call that the beatitudes. Um, you know, happy are those who who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's the literal definition. Is that you know when you when you apply certain biblical principles, you will be happy. But happiness is not it's not God's goal. Of course, He wants you to be happy. But the the, the alternative is He wants you to be sad. You know, of course, He wants you to be prosperous. Does he want you to be broke and depressed? Of course not. So God wants the best for you. He wants you to live a, a full, abundant life. Um, but, you know, you can't be happy all the time, but you can be at peace all the time. You can have an undercurrent of joy, even at the worst moments. And I believe that that allows you to pet cats and like it, even if you're a dog person. Thanks for listening or watching um, Who is Jordan Peterson? 12 Rules for Life on our show, The Art of Faith. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to be jumping back into some art and looking at, I don't know, looking at paintings and films and statues and sculptures and and finding God's creative purpose in those things. I'll be having some conversations with some people. And then once I get a little palate cleanser, um, once I feel ready, then we'll probably do another 12 rules, 12 more rules, uh, for life. Jordan's next book, uh, which is equally as good. So, uh, thanks for listening and watching. And, uh, in order to support this podcast, this show, uh, you can do it by direct donation to Granite Creek church. Uh, and we also got it set up where you can buy anything that is in the set. Uh, So looking forward to our next one. God bless you guys, and thanks for listening.